Hello, hello. This is Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. I am in a very energetic mood as I record this because I've just reintroduced limited caffeine, a responsible amount of coffee for a pregnant woman into my life. And honestly, I feel like a brand new person. I think going totally caffeine free was just too much. And I've learned that in very small amounts, caffeine is totally okay. So I've just had a coffee and I'm feeling energized. When you're pregnant, everyone says, get lots of sleep. That's like the number one thing that moms tell me. They'll be like, oh my gosh, get sleep now while you can. Trust me, I'm getting a lot of sleep. I'm getting like 10 to 12 hours a night. It's not deep sleep. I have to be honest. There are frequent trips to the bathroom that are killing me, but I'm definitely getting a lot of sleep, a lot of time in bed. Last night, or I should actually say early this morning, something crazy happened. I had a shooting pain, like I was crying out in pain because I had the worst leg cramp ever. Some people call them Charlie horses. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but it's basically like when your muscles in your leg contort into almost like it feels like a tennis ball in your calf muscle. It is so painful. And the only thing you can really do is give it time. You can stand up. You can like flex your foot a little bit. I used to get them when I ran track in high school. It's been a really long time since I've experienced these awful leg cramps. They can be tied to a lack of potassium or dehydration. But I've also learned in my quick Google search that they're very common in the third trimester of pregnancy. So another fun thing that pregnancy hormones do... I have been diagnosed with gestational diabetes. That's a whole, I need to do a whole full mini episode on that topic so we can talk about eating and nutrition again. I really need to revisit that with you guys. But other than the diagnosis and the leg cramps, which just came up suddenly very early in the morning, my pregnancy has been pretty smooth sailing. I am spending more time outdoors. I'm out in the Hamptons. It's been nice to just be on the beach, be in the backyard, by the pool. Sunscreen is so key though. You guys know I live for the Supergoop sunscreen products. I love their glow oil. I love their daily sunscreen. I love their unseen sunscreen. I did a whole episode with the president of Supergoop actually, Amanda Baldwin. If you guys haven't heard that one, you can search for it at nakedbeautypodcast.com. I have an episodes tab where you can search for every episode or just wherever you're listening to this. The title of that episode starts with Beauty Brand DNA. It's very informative if you want to learn more about sunscreen. But I don't just love the Supergoop products. Um, I'm into the Black Girl sunscreen. I also really like this new, it's a clean body care brand called Everyday Humans. They just gifted me a little set and they have this rose scented mineral sunscreen. It blends into my skin with no white cast. And I'm trying to do more mineral slash physical sunscreens versus chemical because I think it's not a hundred percent clear if chemical sunscreens are safe for pregnant women. So I'm kind of easing off of the unseen sunscreen lately. Whatever sunscreen you wear, just find a good one and wear it every single day that you're in the sun. Also, if you're inside and you work by a window, you should also be wearing sunscreen. That's my big beauty tip for the intro of this episode. Just sunscreen. Find one that you love and wear it every single day. 
Okay, now today's guest, Naomi, she's amazing. She has her own podcast called So What Do You Do Again, where she interviews just very cool women, mostly in New York, that have these amazing jobs in the fashion industry. And she talks to them about how they got into their job and what their job entails. Naomi works at Vogue as an associate marketing editor. And the power of manifesting what you want is so real because she told me how for years and years before she even worked at Vogue, she had the Vogue masthead ripped out and placed on her vision board. And now her name is on the masthead along with all of the other editors. Her story is such a great reminder of wanting something and working really hard to get it. Enjoy this episode. Stay in touch with me on social at Naked Beauty Planet. We'll take a quick break for some advertising and then get into the conversation with Naomi. Self-care and routine are always important, but now more than ever, whatever you're using to get ready for the day should make you feel amazing. I want to talk to you guys about the brand Billy. They've recreated everyday essentials by delivering premium razors and high-performing body care direct to you. No pink tax, no visit to the drugstore, no breaking the bank. Go to mybilly.com to get their starter kit for just $9. That includes their award-winning razor, two refill blades, and a magnetic holder that keeps your razor safe and dry in between uses. And Billy is out to change more than just the way you shave. They just released three completely clean must-have products to add to your routine. Lip balm, dry shampoo, and face wipes. So stock up on those. I bring my face wipes to the beach after a long day. I want to get all of that sunscreen off once the sun is set. And I live for the face wipes. They are great. The Billy Razor is also wonderful. It just glides on your skin and leaves your legs so silky smooth. It's actually insane. I use this razor. I follow up with my homemade shea butter, and it's actually just a perfect self-care moment. Go to mybilly.com to meet the razor that made everyone start talking about razors. They're an Allure Best of Beauty winner and on Nylon's beauty hit list for a reason. And to express a little love for our show, go to mybilly.com slash naked. It's a small way you can support Naked Beauty while getting the best razor you will ever own. It's just $9 to get your starter kit plus free shipping always. Go to mybilly.com slash naked. Spelled mybilly, B-I-L-L-I-E dot com slash naked. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. 
So I'm here with Naomi Elize. So excited to have you on. Podcaster as well, but also um, fashion editor at Vogue, which is amazing. You're the third Vogue woman I've had on the show. Um, but I'm like obsessed. We'll get into that as well. But how are you? I'm doing okay. You know, this week is much better than the previous. I think I have a bit more of my head on straight and I'm able to kind of get back into self-care, radical self-care. So that's been, yes. it's been a good start of the week. It's only Monday, so I'm taking it each day. <laughs> and so you're in your childhood home, which is in Florida? Yeah, South Florida. Okay. My parents live in Boca, so I'm like familiar-ish. The humidity is no joke. Your hair seems to be thriving. I haven't gone outside, so that's part <laughs> of the reason. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I love that you started off by talking about self-care because the industry that you are in, what a roller coaster it has been. I just last night finished reading the expose about Essence Magazine, about how difficult did you read that? No. Oh my gosh, there's this whole expose about, it's basically from the perspective, it's like an anonymous collective of Black women that are basically talking about how difficult it's been to work at Essence Magazine and how there's a lot of gaslighting and bullying. And I think it's a really interesting new part of this conversation because we know that publishing is really tough, that like editorial working in magazines is tough. And we know that there's racism, but sometimes there's bullying within our own communities. And they talked about how Essence has this front of like empowerment and sisterhood, but behind the scenes, that's not really happening. Now, this is, this was not a New York Times report. It was a Medium article. So I can't yeah. substantiate any of the claims, but there seemed to be enough people that came out and sort of vocalized what this article was saying. And it just kind of reminded me, thinking back to even my early time when I interned at Vogue, there is something very interesting in the industry about like paying your dues and like suffering is kind of... Oh, yeah. And so bullying is wrong. And I think I've had to like actually grow out of a mentality because I think that when I was interning, it was like 10 years ago and I was interning at Vogue and it was this like kind of thing where it's like, you say jump, we say how high, like you're willing to do anything. You're just like honored to breathe the air and be in the building. But part of me does think there has to be some humility in paying your dues as well. Like you don't just get to like walk in and like call the shots. No. No, but it's a tough industry. It is a tough industry. And and whenever I speak to people about like my journey and everything, I always kind of touch upon how it is just so difficult to infiltrate the industry because Mm -hmm. it can be just so exclusive. And especially as a new girl on the scene, especially as a black woman, it is, it can just be so draining. And one thing that I always mention is like, initially it was this mission of infiltrating the fashion industry. And then once I kind of got into there, then it was a mission to infiltrate the black community within the fashion industry Mm. and gaining their respect and being a part of that collective. Because, you know, I think within any industry, you have the cliques. And I feel like the the Black fashion clique, it's like intimidating. There are some like very intimidating people in that group. Half the time, I'm intimidated by all of them all the time. So (laughs) So, like I have good friends of mine who have to, I'm like talking to them like, okay, I hope I don't say the wrong thing. Like, I hope we're good. You know, like it's it's a constant battle. But learn how to maneuver and navigate and 
also how to not sacrifice your own personality and your own voice in order to please others, which, you know, takes some time to learn, but has definitely been something for me that I've grown and done over the years mm-hmm. because I'm still fairly new to the industry and in, in perspective of everyone else's career. I mean, this is year four for me. Yeah. Year three in publishing. So you're four, but you, we're going to get into your work history. It's no wonder you have a career podcast because you've like literally been working since you were in school. Like you were like, <laughs> you are like literally like a workaholic, like from your teenage years, which we will get into. But I, but I think you have to have a culture of openness to mm-hmm. make creativity thrive, right? In a, in a culture where everyone is scared and scared of doing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing, you're not going to have good cre- creative ideas blossom. So I think a culture of openness is important, but I also think, and maybe this is me being like an older millennial, like 30 and not like 22, where I do feel like some young people now get out of college and think that they are going to like go into these places and be calling the shots when in reality, (laughs) you're really there to serve. Yes. And observe. And observe. And I feel like for me... I always had that mentality of knowing that I'm not going to jump into like my career once I got out of college. Like I was ready, eager to do anything, be an assistant, be yes. in the closet, like do anything I absolutely can in or- just to get a taste of the fashion industry. Exactly. And but now I feel like a lot of people have it. I, I also think it's because of social media and yes. that culture that has bred this idea that you jump, you get out of college and you're the superstar. You are top of the game. You are the senior editor. You are this, that, that like, it kind of gives off this, this perception that you don't need to put in the work anymore. Right. And that these are things are just given to people when that's not the case because Instagram is just, you know, it's your highlight reel. Right. It's a perception. It's a, a fake perception most of the time, because this is how you want other people to perceive you. And so you yes. get out your most happiest moments. You don't mm-hmm. show the struggle. So I yeah. think that's definitely been a big part in why some of these younger generation, young, younger kids think this way. Definitely. And, and you have to have humility to work in these uh-huh. industries and really humble yourself. And, and if you don't want to be told what to do and you don't want to have to humble yourself, then like start your own thing. And I'm all for that too. Like people that are like, there are some people that go get out of school and they're like, I'm starting my own thing from the beginning and like more power to them. Yeah. I think you just have to be realistic. And humble. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, so let's get back into Florida. You grew up in Davie, Florida. Yes. Which... Okay. I grew up in Cooper City, Florida, which is the town over. Okay. But, But really had my teen years in Davie, Florida. Okay. And like Florida, it does, it does not have the best. Um, <laughs> well, you know what? Let me not. We're a mess. We're a mess. Okay. <laughs> you said it. You said it, not me. You, so you, I've heard you compare the experience to Florida man. Yes. Florida man. Florida man is alive and well. And yes. Florida man is- Explain to us what Flor- who Florida man is. So it's just whenever you see the news and someone's doing some crazy thing, like Florida man eats alligator (laughs) or Florida man eats man's face off, which actually happened. It's constantly a Florida man. And it's funny because it was, it was in um, Atlanta that they did that episode about Florida man. Oh, right. Hilarious because they just got it so spot on. 
And yeah, it, there's just constantly, I don't know why it's Florida all the time. There's constantly someone doing some crazy stuff that just makes no sense. It's, <laughs> it's quite wild. I mean, you know, I claim Florida for a lot of things, but not for Florida, man. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, but you, you grew up in a Haitian family. Yes. What was that like growing up? Growing up Haitian and being in a Caribbean family, it has bred who I am today. And I'm so thankful for my parents instilling all of my own ethos and all of my own values that I have to this day. But I definitely grew up in such a strict household. It was Mm. like, I couldn't sleep over anyone's house. I couldn't go to any parties. I didn't have a phone till I was in my junior year of high school. And even then I didn't have texting. I remember I couldn't even text the guy I was talking to because I was scared my dad was going to like kill me. (laughs) So were you even allowed to have like date? No, but I also was very like, since I was so sheltered, I I was just so young and naive to everything. And I didn't even want a boyfriend. I was just terrified of the thought of it. Like I didn't have (laughs) a real boyfriend until like three years ago, honestly. Wow. And so it it was definitely an experience, you know, and now to this day, because I used to resent my parents for not letting me sleep over and do any of that stuff. And I'm like, thank God they did that. You can't trust anyone. You don't know what anyone's got going on. I'm like, thank God they kept my ass home. (laughs) Especially in Florida. Yeah. (laughs) Well, but did you feel like you were policed in terms of what you were allowed to wear, what you were allowed to do with your hair? Like, were they strict about that as well? No, not so much. I mean, I spoke about this with Manorpeller, like about the hoop earrings, because I would sneak and steal my sister's hoop earrings to wear um, to school in like when I was in middle school. (laughs) And they were huge. They were literally the size of my fist. They were huge. And I remember like finally getting caught by my mom who picked me up from the, um, the bus stop and she didn't say a thing. She just looked at me and was like, where'd you get those hoops? And I was like, oh, it's from Samantha. And then she just went on with her day. Like they never really policed me and what I wore. I think it mainly just stems from my own, like being scared of what they may think or if they may not approve. One thing, one thing that I could never wear was an anklet because it's a taboo in Haitian culture. It is. Yeah. It's just, it's basically sexy. Yeah. And it like, it's promiscuous. I mean, <laughs> my oldest sister has an anklet, so obviously she got away with it, but I just never would cross that territory to this day. <laughs> That's so funny. I actually like am dying to get an anklet this summer. I had one last summer, but it was like cheap. It was like a little beaded one. I want to get like a proper anklet. That's Ooh. interesting that it's taboo in Haitian culture. I didn't know that. <laughs> I know my dad would always just like mention I like I never had an interest but I remember just like always thinking like hey he would bring it up and I'm just like okay I'm not doing that I'm not going to get so one of those. interesting Were there any other things like in terms of like Haitian beauty culture that you grew up with like knowing about in your household or any like treatments that you saw your mom do Yeah I think it more so stems into back like when you're sick and like with healthcare yeah. um we didn't I didn't really have like I watched my mom who would get her hair done every week and I would go to her with the salons and wish I could get my hair like straightened or anything because 
at the time I was constantly asking for braids, like little braids, because everyone in my class had straight hair and I wanted to look like everyone. Okay. My grandma did these like big, like four braids that I resented. But now that (laughs) I look back at the picture, they were really cute. You were like, this is very chic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And also with the little um, beads and those, all those little accessories. But my mom would do smaller braids on me just with my own hair, just because, you know, I wanted long, flowy hair. And that's the only way that I saw I could get that. Right. Um, Get some hang time. Yeah, some hang time. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So the braids were a thing. And then is your class diverse? No, no. I I really, I, I grew up from up until I got to New York in 2016, I was really surrounded by white spaces. Yeah, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. Um, my class was not really that diverse. It was ma- mainly white children. And, you know, that, that affected ex- how I looked at myself, like even stemming back to what I was talking about with my hair. And I would also like look at my nose and be like, oh, I want like, why can't my nose be smaller? Or I remember seeing this girl on the bus every t- morning, she would come on the bus and she would just look so put together, this young white girl. And I would just think in my head, why can't I look like that? And it, wow. it definitely defined my childhood and, and also led me to hate my natural hair and hate my my aesthetics of my face and everything. And it took me a while to kind of learn to love myself. Hmm. Um, not until I got to New York where wow. I was surrounded by a diverse community because I went to a school at Florida State in Tallahassee. And that was even more of a culture shock for me because at least with South Florida, I was surrounded by a liberal community. Right. And then I came to Tallahassee and it was so, so different. And that's when I started wearing my natural hair. And really out of necessity because I couldn't afford to get my hair done anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So you were like, let me embrace this because I don't have any other option. It's so heartbreaking to hear you say that because you're so clearly like beautiful, um, objectively so. <laughs> and it's just amazing how when you compare yourself, when you're in a minority group and you compare yourself to what like the mainstream majority is and you feel so far from that, that it's hard to accept yourself as beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's really tough. It's like you, when you think back to it, I really, it, it's mind blowing to me how I just let that take over myself so much. And it was in my spaces, it was in the magazines that I was reading on Tumblr that I was looking at. Like I remember I posted a photo to Tumblr and people thought I was white and they were reblogging it saying like, oh, I wish I can get her tan. And I was just so confused. Like, I'm a black woman. What are these Mm. people commenting about? Like, it was just such a... Now that I look back on it, those times has helped me become the woman that I am today. Mm -hmm. And as much as it's heartbreaking to know how I went through that and how it was just so difficult for me to accept myself and come to terms and be comfortable in my own body and in my own skin. But it has really helped me have thicker skin now and really focus on moving forward and making sure I'm focusing on my own mental health and making sure that, you know, I celebrate my beauty, which, you know, has been a journey in itself. 
Yeah. And you're also in a position in a space now where you can help make sure that there's more representation for different types of beauty. Uh, exactly. Which is so important. Exactly. Well, okay. So you're in Tallahassee and you got to work very quickly. Like I don't, I don't even know where to begin, but there's Henry Girl Boutique. You're at Saks Fifth Avenue off Fifth. You were a social media marketing intern at an app. Um, you also were a student assistant at the Florida Center for Public Management. I was doing so much. You were a Victoria's Secret pink campus team member, which all of those girls were like always the prettiest girls. I remember they like did recruiting on my campus and it was like, you know, a huge compliment if you were even asked to be oh my like God. a Victoria's Secret pink <laughs> campus recruiter. I forgot about that. But you just like, so, so did you immediately just think like, I want to get to work and I want to do stuff in fashion? Yeah, I've always had this mentality that I needed to get into the career that I wanted to be since I was like seven years old. Since I, it's even my sisters to this day was like, you were seven years old talking about how you need to start your career. And we were like, you need to relax. I don't know. Oh, wait, what's your sign? You're I'm like, a Virgo. It makes oh my sense. Gosh, okay. <laughs> it's so it all connects. But I feel like so for people listening, like let's name some famous Virgos. Tom Ford is a Virgo, mm-hmm. Beyonce is a Virgo. We love Beyonce. Um, just very hardworking people that like will not stop until they get it perfectly right and what they want. Yeah. Um, and my, my, my soon to be uh, son coming is going to be a Virgo. So like when we, when we were like doing that, we were like, okay, he's going to be a Virgo. That's like a good sign. I <laughs> but, love that. Yeah. But for, so, okay. So you've always been like a bit intense. Yeah. A bit intense. And I didn't realize that I wanted to work into in fashion until I was in high school. And this is Tumblr area era era, excuse me. And I was collecting Teen Vogue. I was collecting the L's. I was collecting the L the Vogues and just like reading everything that I can and looking at all the editorials. Yeah. And but, back then when you were reading Vogue, did you have like your favorite editors like because I can remember being like, Grace Coddington is everything. Like, Tawny Goodman is everything. Like, even when I was in high school, I would like make sure to like note who the fashion editors yeah. were and who. Okay. So you were like yeah. deep in. I, I had like Grace's book. Like, it's still on my inspiration board right now. The orange one? Yeah. Yeah. Had it's it crazy because now when I first started to really work with her more, I was just like, this is so crazy because I was literally obsessed with you and I was. Like, <laughs> 16, 15. Yeah. But go, going back, like just doing all this stuff and knowing that I didn't, I was going to school in state and I didn't have the opportunity to like work, go to school in New York City and right. be able to intern while I'm in school at a publication and gain those experience. So I was like, okay, I need to rack on any and all experience I possibly can because wow. I'm already at a disadvantage that I'm not one at a school in New York and also in an in-state school that maybe some people in some of these publications don't know of. And so I did an on-campus internship with ASOS with Victoria's Secret Pink. So so how did you eventually break into New York? Because I feel you were you were first a fashion assistant at Vanity Fair, right? So from when I was an intern or like first job? No, just even internship. Like how did you get your foot in the door? So I, my first real internship in New York was with Seventeen Magazine. Okay, uh, and I interviewed with that. Seventeen doesn't phone. exist anymore, right? No, no. R.I.P. Okay. R.I.P. Sorry, was, I interrupted you. Continue. No, no, that was such. Oh, that was such a great internship. I remember just 
feeling so alive during that time, especially in the terms of publishing and going uptown to go to Hearst and looking up and being this wide-eyed girl who was still, I think I was 19 and being so new to the industry and this being my dream and being in the fashion closet and surrounded by people and being able to go on shoots. It was Mm -hmm. incredible. It was an incredible experience. And that was my first real internship. But I, I, I told myself that I wanted to try um, other like other career paths to see exactly what I wanted to be in, even mm-hmm. though I, I knew I wanted to be in publication. But I just wanted to make sure I covered all my grounds while I can. And so the next internship, the next summer was with Saks Fifth Avenue off Fifth for buying and planning. And that was a great internship, but it, buying and planning was not for me. Not for you. Okay. <laughs> It was not for me. I remember looking up, seeing everyone at their desk and I was just like typing away, like doing the numbers. And it just, it wasn't creative enough for me. And I was thankful that I even did that internship because I would have never known that I, that wouldn't have been the one for me if I didn't have done it. My final internship in New York was with anthropology doing PR. And yes. that one, <laughs> that one was great because I would go to work at 10, leave at five, did like two clippings a day. It was very easy, very laid back. So in that moment, I was like, okay, PR is more stable. It seems easy. I'm just going to do PR. And so I went into my first job as an account coordinator and I was in for such a rude awakening. Yeah, I was going to say PR is typically like very long, harsh hours, very intense. I was in for such a rude awakening. But you know... That position led me to the position that I am now. And it taught me hard work. It taught me how to juggle multiple things at once, how to navigate corporate atmosphere, also a toxic work atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Um, The toxic work culture thing is, I think it's getting better, but it's not going to completely disappear. And a a question that I have for you, and I'm, I'm genuinely so curious to know your advice here, it's, for young women that are working and they, they're hungry and they're eager to get ahead, how do you also balance that with self-care? Because if you're asked to stay late and you have like a yoga class booked, it's probably not the best look to be like, I'd love to stay, but I have to take care of my chakras and go. Because they'll be like, fine, we're never going to ask her to, you know, you may not get penalized for it, but there will be a mental note like, okay you know what, we're not going to depend on her. So I, I really empathize for young women in their careers that are hungry to get ahead. But then I also really want them to put their self-care mm-hmm. first and make it a priority. So how do, you, how do you balance those two things? You know, in the beginning, I had no idea how to do that. I was so, you know, I was so focused on my career and my career being number one. Mm-hmm. It's the precedent over everything. That's what I put my heart and soul into. And then you, you burn out. You burn out if you do that. And I burned out and I realized I need to take some time for myself, whether that is making sure I'm not working on the weekends and not checking my emails, um, whether that's making sure that I'm exercising at least like four times a week, whether that's maybe just waking up a little bit earlier in the morning so I have some time for myself Mm -hmm. and not initially waking up and checking my email and being like, okay, this and that, I need to get this look to this person for this shoot. Like trying to at least separate the two because especially working as an editor, your work-life balance completely morphs into one because, you know, before, before you start your nine to five as an editor, you have your breakfast with a PR or you have a press appointment or 
after work, you may need to have like four events to go to or a dinner or a party and a party that you may not even want to go to, but you have to because they're advertisers and you need to represent your your publication. It's about also making sure that the community you surround yourself with, you also have people who are outside of the fashion community, which I found has been helpful for myself. So I'm Mm -hmm. not constantly talking about the fashion industry or what's currently going on or just specifically something to my publication or my friends, maybe just having something else to talk about. Yes. Um, that has helped a lot. Um, and also just like forcing myself to slow down. Mm-hmm. I've definitely, especially in the past few months and especially this last few weeks, I've been learning how to be okay with not moving quickly without ha- being on this like time crunch that's on my head. Like, okay, I need to put this out. Okay. I need to do this and you do right. that. And constantly realizing that I am on my own time and I'm not constantly putting myself out there for other people. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is, is giving yourself grace, right? Mm-hmm. Giving yourself the space and time to really think and be thoughtful about what you're going to do instead of just constantly reacting. Sometimes I feel like it's so easy to be reactive. I also think, and I would be curious if you agree with this, I have found that having my podcast and my thing on the side where a lot of people are like, oh my God, how do you do both? How do you put out a show every single Monday and maintain your full-time job? It's a lot, but I have found that like it gives me like purpose and an outlet. And it's just like there's something about having your own thing. Obviously, your amazing podcast. So, what do you do again? That for me, it balances the stress somehow. It doesn't add to my stress. I feel like I'm in the middle. Like, okay, it's both for me because I'm also like, thank God for my podcast and thank God that I have this outside outlet to just be able to do my own work without having an umbrella person telling me what I can or cannot do that I can really take hold of this and make it my own. And also just be able to have the opportunity to interview such amazing women. But it also can sometimes add stress to me myself because it's, it is a lot of work and podcast it's so much work and, and constantly feeling like you need to put out um, content every week or every month. And editing it because I edit myself. I'm sure you do too. No, I don't. I had to let I like being someone else to edit. Listen, trust me, start getting someone else to edit for you. I think that would help. How many, how many, you're a year in, right? Yeah. But I've only done 20, I'm going to have my 20th episode in a week. Yeah. But I want to start putting it out more frequently but trying to find the balance of doing so is on top of my work. Find an editor. I'll send you some resources after this. I think it's very much worth it. Um, I used to edit it myself, but I also had the false belief that no one would be able to edit it as you know well as I could. And by the time I tell someone everything I want, I could have just done it myself. And I think that's kind of a mistake too, because you start to like micromanage every single little thing and you don't yeah. get to scale and grow. So yeah, definitely invest in an editor. I think I just need to do that because it gets to be a lot editing the actual audio and then editing video and then trying to like manage a a page, a social media page. And I'm not the best at social media. So I'm like, 
I love your social. But you know what the other thing? I feel like when I got into podcasting, I had like my my heroes. Unfortunately, a lot of them were just like older white men. But like when I look at like the Mark Marin podcast, like he just puts out his conversation with people. It's not like there aren't these like fancy IGTV videos that go along with each yeah. episode. You know, and people there is there's some people that I know listen to my show every week and they've like never been to the Instagram page. And that's great. Wow. Like they're there for the conversation. Joe Rogan doesn't edit his podcast at all. It's just wow. the conversation. And I also think another thing that I've learned, we both interview a lot of women and I have had to get over this thing about the term like. A lot Mm -hmm. of young women pepper their speech with like, 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 Mm -hmm. like, like. And I used to go crazy trying to edit out every like. And um, and I still do edit out from time to time. But the editor that I work with, you know, he he sort of said, this is how this person speaks. This is their natural speech pattern. There's only so much you can do. And when I was editing it myself, I remember just like painstakingly taking it out all of these little you know, and having to move the audio files back and then you're constantly like it it becomes like a four hour task. Oh yeah. And then I think it just goes back to trying to balance it and trying to find the time because it became like back in December I had to take a break from the podcast because I was very much overwhelmed and it was becoming not enjoyable anymore. It was becoming more of like, like a task for me. And that's not what I wanted it for, you know? And I was like, I need to just take a break so I can really just refocus and and relook at why I was doing this and what, what I wanted to put out and not on anyone else's time, but on my own time. Yes. Well, you're doing great work on the podcast, but you're also doing great work at Vogue. I saw that you and Akili, who's also been on the show, worked on a piece together for like Black-owned um, beauty brands. Um, and so many publications are now like trying to shine a light on these like Black-owned beauty brands. So it's really important. And like we are grateful that we have people like you and Akili at these places to help you know, show what's up, show who these like great brands are that have always been there, but we're like, okay, yeah, finally, I'm glad you're paying attention. Um, we can yeah. shine a light on them. As a Black employee, do you feel like this energy and momentum around championing Black businesses and Black creatives is going to continue? Or do you think I mean, it's a moment in time? I would hope it would continue. And I'm... I'm going to be the one in my publication to hold people accountable in order to make sure that it continues. Because anytime that I'm doing my own work or doing an article, I try to make sure that I'm at least including a designer, a Black designer, and also trying to push forward Black designers in in our magazine and in, in online too. I think it's about making sure with, that you're holding each other accountable and making sure that this doesn't isn't just a moment in time because that's just not going to fly and people will see right through it. And that's just not, it's not good business. It's not a good brand. Your, your ethos is so important to people who consume your product. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's important to follow through in what you say. And a lot of the, I was getting tagged in so many of like black editors to follow and all these people that are so influential. And then you go to these pages and they're not even following you. And it's like, why are you doing this? Honestly, you're like, why are you doing this? You're just doing this for the clout. You're just doing this for likes. Like, I think a lot of people were were using that time, well, this time to really profit off of for personal gain and for brand awareness. And it it hurts to know the what 
the actual, what they were doing those for was just out of bad faith. But what came out of it was the amplification of so many incredible Black businesses and brands that deserve to be sold out now. Like they deserve to be in the forefront. They deserve to be on Beyonce's list. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's that that part I'll take and I'll I'll cherish. But in my own space, I'm holding everyone accountable and making sure that I'm constantly speaking up for black designers and black talent too, because you know, it also stems to the people who we hire as in general and it's in the fashion industry. So Absolutely. Yeah. The fashion, it's shockingly non-diverse, like shockingly non-diverse. But I also think I so I, I watched the BET Awards last night, and I was Dang. so happy to see so many people wearing black designers. Because if you think about, especially hip hop culture, like we've made so many brands so popping. Like we've made mm-hmm. Gucci like the most popping thing. Like we've we our culture has the ability to put so many designers on, and so many of our people spend a lot of money on these brands. And if we can like shift that tide towards buying more black owned. I think that that's amazing. Do you have like black designers or even like black beauty brands that you just absolutely love? Oh my God. There's so many. Okay. I'll start with black designers. I love Christopher John Rogers. Amazing. You looked so good. Where were you going? Were you going to the Met Gala in in that? There was like a high slit situation. Oh, no, that was for the CFDA Awards. CFDA Awards. Oh, my God. You looked so good in that dress. That was, uh, that was, I like didn't want to give it back to him. <laughs> yeah, it was gorgeous. Yeah, he's so talented. Next he's level. So talented. Um, Kenneth E. Zay, yes. Moss. Oh, my gosh. Be Noel. There's just, there's just a laundry list of people to support, especially in design world. Um, Loa. God, I love her. I just yes. bought a bag and I was, <laughs> I had to get my boyfriend to buy it because I had no service. And he told me what, how much it was in pounds, but not the conversion rate. And, I, <laughs> and then I found out how much it was. I was like, you know what? I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay. This was my rent, but we're happy. We're, we own <laughs> a Polo. <laughs> yeah. Beauty brands, you know, I love Epilogic. I love Hyperskin, Redo. Gold. Oh, there's so many. I. It's also just this time has shifted for me. Also, put so much in perspective for myself and how I am acting as a consumer and how I can help benefit these black businesses more in my daily instead of putting my money elsewhere mm-hmm. and learning how to learning the power of my dollar. So I've I've really been trying to help hold myself accountable and be like, do I need this like random serum when I can get it from my favorite black owned beauty brand. Yes. Yes. But I, you know, also EDOS always got a shout out EDOS, my favorite. I don't know this brand. How do you spell it? E-D-A-S. Sade Mm -hmm. Mems is the designer and she is incredible. She's so talented. She has incredible like sculptural um, jewelry pieces as well as bags. Okay. Adding to my list. One thing though that I struggle with is that I don't buy full priced anything. <laughs> like I, I am, I am the real, real.com. Like I am a consigner sample sale. Like I am like always looking for a deal. So I have to basically reconcile like my total, I have to buy 
less things and be willing to pay full price to support mm-hmm. black designers. So that's, that's the mental shift that I'm going through right now. Oh yeah. I'm the same way. I mean, I love me a secondhand designer piece. Yes. I love the real, real. I love going yeah. on and finding like a rare vintage piece. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's definitely shifted my own mindset too, because I'll find myself like same with the Moaloa bag. Like I'll spend so much on that because it, I know it's going to be such an incredible piece, like a, a, a piece that I could pass down through my yeah. lifetime, lifetime, excuse me. So I try to think of it like that when I'm purchasing a lot of things because I want to make sure that I'm not just purchasing for the time and moment that it is popular or that mm. I like it. I want to make sure it's an investment piece and it's something that I can look back towards and wear it in 20 years. Yeah. Because I'm still going to have funky style once I'm like... Of course you will. Of course you will. Well, I'd love to hear what your beauty faves are. Like, are you, you have gorgeous hair, but you have gorgeous skin and you're like doing amazing makeup as well. Do you want to do like hair, skin, makeup, beauty faves? Or is there an area you feel like you want to focus on? I can do all three. I mean, my hair, I've been going back and forth between Carol's daughter and Shea Moisture because my curls, I just, also, I think my curls have changed over the last three years. And I know that happens. So I saw a picture of my curls like three years ago and I was like, they were so bouncy and like perfectly spiraled. And now my hair is just, I mean, it's a whole different haircut too, but I definitely have been using a lot of Shea Moisture and Carol's daughter. What do you use from Shea Moisture? They're um, curl. God, what is it called? It's like the curl um, coconut smoothie thing, or yeah, coconut, coconut smoothie. I was yeah, pudding. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Coconut classic. Smoothie. I love the hair melt from Carol's daughter because it's very light, but it still keeps my hair tamed. Because if I don't put product in my hair, it gets very humid and frizzy. And I recently, well, not recently. I guess it was two years ago when I got my hair cut to make it more of like this shape. Of, yeah, it's like a heart shape. Yeah, like a heart shape. Um, Where'd so you get it cut? I got it cut with Nigella, who's okay. incredible. She did my Met hair. She's done like all of my braids, except for like one time that I went to my friend Michaela. She's an incredible, incredible hairstylist. She does a lot of the Pierre Moss shows and Kirby's oh, wow. hair. Oh. What's her Instagram? We'll link to her in the show notes. Yes. I think it's Nigel at Nigella hair or at Nigella underscore hair. Okay. We'll find <laughs> it. Okay. So you got this haircut and the haircut can make a really big difference when you're rocking. Like anyone who has like textured hair, I feel like it's worth investing in a haircut. Yeah. And that was my first haircut ever, like a curly haircut. Yeah. Because I usually will get, I'll get my hair blown out at my, at the Dominican salon I go to here in Florida. Cause that's the only salon I was going to. Cause I was yes. like, I don't trust anyone else with my hair. And then I met Nigella and I was like, okay, I really want to change up my hairstyle. And she did the haircut on me. And it's crazy when you look at pictures because my hair was so short and it wasn't growing before mm. that. And so I was already like, oh my God, I just cut off all my growth. It's never mm-hmm. going to grow back. And now it's grown back so much longer. Wow. So it made me realize it's so important to get these haircuts or at least a trim. Yes. Yes. Okay. Skincare faves. Okay. Yes. Um, love hyper skin, vitamin C. I also love Epilogics, vitamin C. Yes. Um, love that. I live by Dr. Barbara Strums for the darker skin tones. Oh, Her. Um, you're in the cult. 
I am in the cold. It's okay. No, I I appreciate it. I after interviewing (laughs) her, I have a much deeper appreciation for her products. I'm in the cult for sure. I got introduced through it through like at my job at Vogue because my boss got gifted a whole set and she like just bought a whole new skincare routine. So she was like, here you go. And I was like, you're giving me this, this (laughs) expensive kit. I was like, thank you. I'm taking this for sure. But, um, (laughs) but I used her foam wash. Um, I also the hyaluronic serum. Mm-hmm. What else? I love Laneige lip mask. My boyfriend so hates good. Why? Because I'll greased him with it and he hates it because it's sticky. He's like, why are you so greasy right now? I know. <laughs> but I kind of, now I just do it to kind of piss him off. And he's like, you know, I don't like, I'm like, you also have chapped lips right now. So, so I'm helping you. <laughs> this is um, application for you. Yes, but I've been doing, and also this is from recommendation of you, turmeric mask. Nice. Because I, I struggle with hyperpigmentation. Like you can't tell right now because I have a concealer on, but I just, anytime I get a blemish, I wouldn't even touch it. I'll get a, a mark. So Same. Trying to figure that out now while I don't have to be outside. Yeah, it's funny that you bring up the lip sleeping mask because I realized a few months into using it that it's like meant to be for sleep, and I just I just use it as like a lip balm. It's like oh, my, it's like a daytime balm. Oh, I love it. It's like my lip gloss. Like I yeah. don't actually use it to go to sleep in. <laughs> it's so. I'm just like I'm just gonna put this on to get a little gloss. It's so good. What about makeup faves? This was pre before. Like I kind of I totally purged all of my makeup and skincare about a year ago to make sure everything was vegan and safe for the environment, safe for my skin. So I guess my new makeup faves, I use for my concealer, I still use NARS mm-hmm. and I haven't, I haven't fully checked if they are completely safe. Cause I, I kind of like turned the blind eye yeah. from them. Because- no, NARS. No, so like NARS, Pat McGrath, I call them like my problematic faves. Like I know. Oh, I didn't know about Pat McGrath. <laughs> well, I, I, I know they're not, I know it's not clean beauty, you know, yeah. I'd be fooling myself. But the NARS Radiant Creamy Concealer is like the greatest concealer of all time. It's the only concealer that has ever, I've used it for like five years now. Yeah, and I got introduced to it because I actually did a shoot for them way back when I was first like introduced into New York because my friend Bella worked for them. And ever since there, I, ever since then, I've like never changed my concealer. Do you, it use, just, you, see. Do you use Amand? No. Oh, what, what shade do you use? I was trying to guess your shade. Oh, wait. No, no, no. I do use Amand. Sorry. Okay. I was going to say you, you look... Wait, no, I do Amand use Amand. I was thinking because for one one second, like last year, I, I switched to the shade that was above it. And then I used the powder on myself and I was like, wait, this is not my shade. <laughs> <laughs> one tip. Do you know, do you follow Jackie Ina? No. She is just like the best beauty YouTuber in the entire world, like just game changing. But one of the things that she does with her NARS concealers is she blends like several of them. So she'll use Truffle and Macau and Amand and like, she'll use like, she'll use it as highlighter and like to add like shat, like she, Mm. she has like four and I'm like, I need to get more. I know. I wish I was better at makeup. Like I know how to throw on a nice like eyeshadow. I know how to, like, I love me a colored mascara. Um, I love a dark purple lip. I use the NARS purple lip too. Um, 
but I mean, it is my guilty pressure, but like, I've, I remember one time I was trying to learn how to, um, this is when like natural face wasn't that like people wanted to, your face to be beat. Like yeah. you wanted to contour. Like I remember trying to contour and I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> I couldn't, I didn't know how to blend. And then I was on YouTube trying to figure out how to bake my face. And then I was like, what even is baking? Like, what am I doing here? <laughs> we've all been there still learning um been for my eyebrows i mean i've always used glossier boy brow but i tend to do this like this is probably not even the best thing to do but i I tend to use like my mascara and pump up my eyebrows no you can do that why not why not i'm intrigued by the colored mascara that you mentioned what what brands do you use for the colored mascara so I have a blue and pink one from St. Laurent that actually is works on me because mm-hmm. at first when I purchased them, I was worried. And this was like about two years ago when I first, per- like when I started like doing the colored mascara and at first I was like, Oh, it's not going to come up on me. Like it's, it's maybe I'll just see and see what happens because those mascaras are like 40 bucks. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Ooh. but I really wanted the colored mascara. So I bought it. And it actually comes out really well. It actually, okay. it really shows up. And it's just a fun way to kind of just add or add something to your outfit. I mean, I would wear it to work or I would wear it out. Yeah, I want to try that. Do you have any fragrance faves? I feel like fragrance, especially like you're a very fashion, you're like, you're a fashion girl. Like you serve <laughs> a look. And I feel like fragrance is like a layer to the look that adds something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, no, it is. And I have... It's crazy because this kind of goes back to like consumption and working as an editor, you get, it's just the way of land. Like you get gifted so much stuff, a lot of stuff you don't need, you don't ask for, but also are so happy to receive because it's like, what is this new brand that you can try? And that stems with perfumes too. So I have so many perfumes in my room back home, but I also only use like one or two of them. (laughs) (laughs) Because you get stuck in your ways. And also I've been searching for my scent. You know how someone always has a scent? I don't have a scent yet, but I'm I'm searching for them. But I love, I love, love, love Tom Ford cherry. Tom Ford cherry. It's so good. It's so sensual and, but still subtle enough that you're not overpowering your whole space. Cause you know, like my dad is the king of, like dousing himself in cologne and you would just smell him from a, while, a mile away. And I just want to be more of a subtle, like, Oh, she smells so nice. But definitely, that's definitely my go-to now, but I'm, I'm still searching for my, my go-to. Yeah. Style. I feel like everyone wears Mojave. Oh, from Byredo. Yeah. yeah. And I, I kind of want it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like a few years ago when everyone in New York City smelled like Lalabo Santal mm-hmm. 33 and you would just smell it everywhere. And then you're like, I kind of like this scent too, but then you're like, I you do don't like want to be like everyone else. I do like that scent too. Oh, I'm looking <laughs> at cherry now. Okay, so it's a warm and spicy. It has bitter almond, rose absolute. Ugh, I love anything with rose in it. It's just... It's so good. Gorgeous. It's just the only thing that kills me is the price point. And I'm like, if I ever oh run out of gosh. it, I'll never. $135. If I ever run out of it, I'm never going to smell like that again. <laughs> because he, he sends those perfumes with um, 
with invites to shows. So a lot of the editors would be like, we don't want this. Here you go. When I was like an assistant and I was like, please give me anything that you don't need. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. Well, I, I will look out for this. I am not going to pay this price point, but I do love Tom Ford fragrances. I feel like they're so good. Yeah. They're really I agree. Good. Gosh. Okay. Tell me how you kind of unwind and like do self-care. Like, are you one of these people that's like, it's the weekend, I'm going to do a bath and a face mask? Or do you just like find little moments throughout the week? Like, what's your approach to self-care? I'm more of that person who will dedicate a certain time for it, where I will plan for it. You know, Virgo and me, I'm like, okay, I have worked so-and-so. So on Saturday from 2 to 8 p.m., this is my time. I'll go get a facial or I'll do a facial on myself. I mean, I recently just bought like this very intense like humidifier situation. Well, not humidifier. Um, like a face humidifier? Like a steamer, sorry. A steamer that also is a hair steamer. Uh-huh. So like I would, I like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to use this time. Like my boyfriend will try to come over and I'm just like, I, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just dedicate that time for myself. I have to be honest, I haven't been making the best time for myself in the most recent weeks. Like I finally just started getting back into the routine of washing my face. And okay. like, this is the first time I put on makeup and like properly did my face and like just put on a proper shirt. So it's definitely been interesting to see how I can navigate self-care during this time as well, because I've also self-care goes so beyond um, just like doing a face mask and laying back and being in a bath and trying to also make sure I make time to read and Mm. to learn and do, do things that I've been wanting to do for so long that I never made the time for trying to get back into learning French because I'm tired of not speaking it with my family. (laughs) So it's definitely been an interesting time for the last few weeks and, and trying to learn what self-care really means to me and how I can navigate during this time and, and be, I don't know, just to finally let go and relax Yeah, because you get into your own head and you're constantly thinking, I'm, I'm queen of doing this where I'm constantly thinking, I need to make time for myself. I need to go out and go exercise. I need to go read this book that I'm, I've been trying to read and not doing it. So now it's about the action and actually doing these things. But what I have to say is since being home, I finally, because I don't take a bath. I live with roommates, so I don't take a bath in that bath. I just don't trust it. (laughs) Um, Like I love my roommates, but I just can't do it. It's germaphobe in me. And I finally took a bath for the first time in so long. And I was just like, this is so nice. I was like, I wish I had a bath bomb. I wish I had like, candles everywhere like i do love a good bath baths are great they're great but yeah but you it's something you have to plan for you don't just like find yourself taking a bath it's like you got to put it in the calendar like i'm going to take a bath on this night and you make it a whole thing Mm -hmm. you do your oils and your candles and like you just really relish in it and i love to like have like a tv show ready watching it and just Okay, wait, what are your shows? I feel like self-care and watching good content go hand in hand. So I love a good show. I'm currently watching I Made a Story You with Michaela Cole. So why are more people talking about this show, Naomi? Why are more people talking about this show? 
it makes no sense because even when chewing gum came out, I was just like, why is one obsessed? Like, but I feel like chewing gum people were obsessed. I was living in London at the time, so maybe like the awareness mm-hmm. was higher. But like, I may destroy you is so good. So good. It's just brilliant. Everything about it is so brilliant. Like I was watching it last night and I was dying of laughing. And I was like, oh, this is just so nice to watch a good show not have to think about what everything is happening and what I need to be doing tomorrow or tonight or not so focused on my own, like just self-criticalness and just relax and watch a show and get your mind off of things. Yeah. And, and watch she, Black women. Yes. And watch Black women be kick-ass and just kill it. She's such a great actress. I know. She's such a great actress. I know. Her character's a mess, but that's okay. I mean, yeah, she, she has a mess. But we love the mess. We love yes. the mess. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, what else am I watching? Have you watched Greenleaf? I haven't. My mom really likes Greenleaf and I've heard very good things. Um, do I need to watch it? It's so good. It's just, oh my God, it's just drama. I recently got my mom on it and she watched all four seasons within a week. <laughs> and it was just a marathon and I was so here for it. I was like getting back into it. It's just church drama. And it's, it's just exhilarating to watch because it's the plot. It just thickens every episode, but it's definitely one of those shows that you can just watch and not think about anything and just be caught up in what their, the storyline is and just be so involved and not have to really think about anything else. Okay. I love that. I will check out Greenleaf. (laughs) I love putting people onto Greenleaf. Yes. Yes. Okay. I love that. You talked about your life as an editor. And having breakfast meetings with people before your work even starts and then after work having to go to these events and parties and store openings and runway shows and, you know, fabulous girl problems, but still a busy calendar. Is there something kind of nice about this time? Obviously, like COVID aside, obviously, like we're not celebrating COVID, but is there something that's been refreshing for you in terms of having a reset to your schedule? Yes. Yes. Yes and no, because I'll say the no part first, because I am so used to being on the move and that New York mentality. And I'm now in a suburb in South Florida where nothing is really happening and getting used to this new movement of life and kind of being put on pause and not needing to be constantly on the move, constantly going somewhere, constantly rushing to go somewhere. And in a way, I feel like I thrived off of that environment because it was making me feel like, oh, I got something to do. I mean, I'm so stressed and I want to pull my hair out, but at least I'm doing something. At least I'm busy. You know, that mindset that can be so destructive, but New York kind of just puts you on that. And then on the offset of it, I'm so thankful to finally have a moment to reset and stay still a little bit and learn exactly what I want from my time in New York and what I want from life and putting that in perspective because you get it's like tunnel vision when you you live in New York especially in the fashion and you're in the fashion industry it's complete tunnel vision and you're not focused so much on your future but you're focused on the now and realizing that Man, I want to I want to have a house with a backyard. Like I forgot about that. I when I came home, I literally beelined for the backyard and like raised my hands up and like felt the sun and was just like this is incredible. I didn't have that. I was stuck in my apartment. 
And I was like, do I really want to live in this apartment for that long or live in New York for that long? So that was the kind of thought process that I've had, but it, it definitely has helped to slow down and to just not put so much pressure on myself to constantly be moving and constantly be doing interviews. And I don't know, it, it's definitely been refreshing because it's a whole, people, people just live a whole different life here. Yeah. And you're right, that energy of New York, it's frenetic and it can be addicting. Mm-hmm. It's like a drug so on addictive. its own. I mean, I'm, I'm still battling it now. Today, I felt like I need to be doing something. I'm still working from home and I'm doing so much, like trying to prep for the podcast and doing all of this. But I'm in my head, like I need to be doing more. Why am I not doing more? Yeah. It's, God, I, I need to kick that New York energy a little <laughs> bit out. Yes. Because yes. it is good to have it. You, but a not little bit of it, but you're much. also, we've, we've already established you're an overachiever and <laughs> you like to do a lot and your Virgo tendencies push you to overwork. So you at like 50% capacity as most people at 100% capacity. So you just have to kind of like keep that in mind. Thank you. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I need to find a balance. Yes. It's yes. been tough. It's been tough. It's hard for all of us. I'm, I'm about to go on maternity leave and I'm like, I can't remember the last time that, and it's like maternity leave before the baby gets here. You get a month off before the baby Uh comes. And it's like, what, like, what am I going to, like, I'm not going to have work. Like, it's just, it's, it's, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Yeah. That's also the thing. You, you were like, what am I supposed to do with my time? And then you focus too much on what you need to be doing with your time and actually not using the time to do it. I know. You're so focused on the planning. Well, maybe that's may just be me, but you're just so focused on the planning of actually doing something and you're not doing it. Yes. My plan is to read more. I, I, I'm yeah. about to finish Queenie, which is a fabulous oh. book. Highly recommend. But yeah, I'm with you on the like reading, like maybe learning a language. I'm trying to mm-hmm. like learn Turkish so I can Amazing. communicate with my son because <laughs> my husband will be speaking with our son in Turkish and I don't oh. want to be left out of the conversation. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. Yeah, it's very exciting. Oh my gosh. My sister just had a baby. So he's he's so cute, but he's so chubby already. Like the biggest cheeks. Those are the cutest babies though. No one wants a skinny baby. Like get out of here. Just like hungry 24-7. So excited for you. Well, okay. I've, I've come to the final question and I ask all of my guests this question. I'm so curious your answer. When do you feel most beautiful? I feel most beautiful when I have total power over what I'm wearing or how I do my makeup, especially when I do it for myself and not for other people. That's when I feel the most beautiful because I'm not trying to put a facade or wear something different in order to fit into a group or or stand out in a group at a party or just with friends, just honestly putting on something that I'm comfortable in and also love to wear and and feeling just confident and powerful in that moment. Yeah, that's definitely when I when I dress for myself and feel very comfortable in my skin, that's when I feel the most beautiful. I love that answer. That's so true. Yeah. Well thank you so much for being on Naked Beauty. It was such a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much. I'm a huge fan and I'm so honored 
And I can't wait to get you on. So what do you do again? Yes, I would love, love, love to do the show. All right, guys, I will link to everything so that you can like get to know Naomi better and listen to her fabulous podcast as well in the show notes. And thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Now let's get it on. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed getting to know Naomi. I have so many takeaways from our conversation. So takeaway number one, I loved when Naomi talked about holding people in your workplace accountable to keep Black interests top of mind and not being shy about it. Whether you're a person of color or an ally, and no matter where you work, this movement and energy around racial equality is something that we have to all kind of keep pushing on and hold other people accountable for and not be shy about raising our voices. So I love that she said that this is something that she's going to continue to advocate for and hold people accountable for. Takeaway number two. If you, like Naomi, are lucky enough to know what you want to do at a young age, you have to just go for it. Naomi knew she wanted a career in fashion. She knew she had to get to New York City and she did everything in her power to get there. If you have a vision, know what you want. It's so important that you just take the steps to execute that vision. Takeaway number three, how to take care of yourself when you are just kind of a natural hustler. And I think it's really hard to do. One of the things that Naomi talked about was not putting herself under unrealistic pressure and giving herself grace and giving herself time to just be still and to be more present. I think it's really important to maintain this balance, even if you are incredibly ambitious. Takeaway number four, just putting into perspective what our power is as consumers and using our spending power to support Black businesses. She mentioned several Black-owned brands, whether they're fashion brands or skincare brands. Um, I always try to champion these amazing brands. I post about them on Naked Beauty Planet. I talk to a lot of the founders here on this show. But I think it's a great reminder that we have purchasing power and a lot of times that can help to elevate certain brands. So to just go out of our way to support Black-owned business when possible and find all of these amazing, great Black-owned brands that are out there. I'm so into Beyonce's Black Parade, the site she's done that basically curates all of these amazing Black-owned businesses. If you haven't checked it out, go to that website immediately. Takeaway number five, just the power of a good curly haircut. I think in my natural journey, it took me too long to realize that getting your hair cut into like a good shape could make a really big difference. And I'm happy that I finally did it, but it's definitely worth investing in getting a good cut, especially if you've got curly textured hair. And the final takeaway, takeaway number five, this was like a small moment, 
but colored mascaras that is something that i'm dying to try and i don't have any brightly colored mascaras she said that the yves saint laurent mascaras were really good and really showed on her dark lashes i kind of assumed that they were more for like people with blonde or fair skin but now i'm dying to try a brightly colored mascara I hope you loved this episode. Check out her podcast too. It's great. And I love to see other Black women in the podcast game doing their thing. Thank you so much, Naomi, for being on Naked Beauty. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I will be back with a new episode next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 